that is the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. The late resumption of the flat season is well and truly underway now, of course, with a classic weekend already uh, taking place in the UK with the 2000 and the 1000 guineas. We're going to catch up with that uh, during this episode. We're also going to take a look at what's coming up in Ireland because it's their first classic weekend of the resumed uh, flat season. With me, uh, David Weldon is back. Dave? Hi, Dean. How are you? Yeah, all good and uh, enjoying a bit of racing and uh, some kind of form of normality coming back. Dermot Nolan's also here. Hello, Dino. All right, Dermot, are you keeping well? Oh, all good. Life's coming back to normal. Football's back next week and uh, the racing's been class. So, yeah, no, I don't have much complaints really, thank God. Yeah, some kind of semblance of normality kicking in. Hopefully everyone listening at home uh, is well and all around them are keeping themselves well as we uh, do move to some form of normality. No Connor O'Hare this week, of course. He is busy with RTE and they're getting ready for their first uh, classic weekend of the resumed flat season. We'll talk about that, of course, but we may as well kick off with the with the first classics of the season that took place in the UK uh, over the weekend. Uh, Dave, I think you've been enjoying some of the coverage. I wasn't too... Um, enthused by the way it was delivered but it's a difficult job isn't it you can't have people at the course you've got all these pundits uh, from various zoom outlets it's tricky enough yeah it's very hard like there's obviously going to be a delay with um when people are talking to each other over over an internet connection and you wouldn't have the same interactions as you would in a studio or whatever so it is hard so i do feel a bit sympathy for them and they're doing the best they can and we're getting live sport in our telly so we can't really complain too much the numbers were massive, Dave. It says they, they said they got uh, record numbers, which you would expect. There is nothing else on. Should they have done better? Like, it, probably being pessimistic, you would hope they would have got higher numbers because there's literally nothing else on. There's a bit of Bundesliga on. Um, UK football is not back. Um, ITV should have had everything focused on that. And the fact they put it on ITV4 as well, um, was a bit disheartening, like because they should have really put it on their main channel, and you'd imagine the numbers would be better. Like if people who would be watching in the bookies, if people would be watching in the pub, they all should have been watching at home to a certain degree. So while the numbers look good, I would have ex- expected higher to be honest. Tim, I was, I actually, I think I said it on Twitter in one of my ranty moments. I get a few of them while I'm in lockdown, but um, like the the basis of putting uh, live sport when you're one of the only channels to actually have any on an ITV4 channel when you have ITV showing Judge Rinder and I can't remember what else was on, something else was on that I'm sure has an audience, but you have live sport, you have live people doing things during a lockdown and um, they didn't put it on ITV. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I thought the, the coverage for, for the actual job at hand they had, I mean, you, you have to remember that every producer, director, everyone is at home. So like for, for what they actually managed to pull off, um, yeah. I thought it does deserve an awful lot of praise and fair play to them. Of course, the ITV4 problem is a continual problem. I mean, taking the racing away from Channel 4 that time to end up on ITV4 wasn't really part of the plan. I mean, you had to have sympathy last year when, or sorry, the year when the European Championships were on or whatever else. Um, yeah. I mean, I had to say fair enough. Um, and the same with the World Cup. But just when it comes to this summer, I mean, RTE have racing now front and centre on all the evenings and 
ITV, I don't really understand why they don't. But I still think doubling the numbers from last year effectively to the Derby this year, especially to the, the Guineas this year, apologies, mm. when it's not jumps, I mean, jumps captures people an awful lot more than, than the uh, flat does. So to double the coverage on on a season during the day, on a Saturday, I know people don't have other stuff to watch, but racing's PR-wise is in a bad moment. So amidst all that to double the coverage, I, I really don't think there's much wrong with that. And I think ITV should be very, very proud of it. Okay, okay. Fair enough. I think until they start, um, I, I, I assume obviously they're going to run with racing for a little while longer, but I think until they start giving it the ITV power that it has, it's not going to really grow out of, the proportions that you'd expect it to and i think it has an opportunity to do that but um you know they're, they're showing it it's on and we got so we had some quality racing dave didn't we we did actually have what looked like a very very strong renewal of the the 2000 guineas albeit delayed and with various um question marks over the well-being of horses no prep runs all that kind of stuff but you know that's not unusual for even the the horses that win the guineas they often come straight in yeah, that's it. it wouldn't have been an issue to me. Um, you, you probably say that the better three-year-olds will probably do better with it this time because it was delayed. Um, usually, the better two-year-olds will win it, and that was probably the case mm-hmm. last Saturday with uh, Pinatubo, um, who had a pretty smooth race, a little bit keen maybe earlier on and trying to get into a position, but bagged the rail and had everything go its way and just wasn't good enough on the day. The question mark would have to be, has he trained on? Maybe trained on is the wrong word. Maybe progressed from two to three. Um, he was clearly a very good two-year-old. But it'd be interesting to see now if he goes to St. James's Stakes at uh, Royal Ascot, what kind of form he's in there. Um, the winner was very good. Um, it's, unlike Pinatubo, had a bit of a, a tricky trip and showed a really good turn of foot when O'Shea asked him to, to get out and go. And uh, one going away, um, which to ran a good race as well to finish the neck behind. And clearly the money was right there. But I, I've taken the winner going forward anyway. Mm, yeah, I mean, you make a couple of points about the way the race was run. Um, Demo, watching plenty of racing across, you know, the, the week or so that it's been back, it seems fitness and perhaps getting a lead in certain amount of these races, it's real early season fodder. If you're fit and uh, and fancied and you get out in front, it's been really helpful to a lot of the horses that have been coming home in front. And that's that's nothing new, certainly in early season, um, you know, kind of face-offs. But Cameco didn't have the run of the race like a Pinatubo did. And the other point that you made, I thought, Dave, that was interesting was that the money was right about Wichita. I mean, it went off 15-2, to two, but Arizona, who was second favourite for the race behind Pinatubo, um, drifted as if it hadn't made Newmarket in time for the race, I thought, Demo. Um, interesting that the money got that spot on. Yeah, the the Coolmore money tends to be absolutely spot on anyway. Mm. I mean, to be honest, I thought O'Shea Murphy, the way, the way he rode the race, won it. I mean, Kameko's a very, very good horse, value for further probably, but I thought Frankie rode the race on Wichita to beat Pinatubo, which he did. And I think O'Shea Murphy taking that pull uh, two and a half furlongs out and kind of putting himself behind him just kind of meant at the finish when the two of them were beating his each other up he was kind of coming with his run then and like, I thought it was an absolutely inch perfect ride and um, as good as the winner is he is the best three year old now at the moment but I still think Oshin Murphy um, as as much vaunted as he is probably deserves a small bit more praise for that I mean that was that was just an incredible ride I mean to not to not kind of let himself and Kameko 
to get into the the kind of scuffle up front between the two of them because Frankie Frankie did what he set out to do. He he rode to beat Pinatubo and he did that. But unfortunately, I don't think any of them saw Kameko. And the fourth there, a military march as well. I mean, that's a horse who kind of obviously wants further. And that was a really good derby trial that he ran under um, Hector Crouch for Said bin Saroor, who seems to be an age since he's had a, a very good one. They kind of they all seem to be going to Charlie Appleby of late. And military march just adding into that derby you now, he could be very, very interesting as well. Yep, I agree. He was he was certainly one to keep an eye on uh from in behind. And often it is one of the better derby trials is the Guineas, of course. Uh Pinatubo demo, I mean, they're probably they've got a horse that's obviously very good. He hasn't stamped his aim authority from a from the two-year-old bracket into the three-year-olds just yet. And it looks like probably won't on what we saw there. And um, with the run of the race that kind of went his way, if he wasn't able to um, to kind of win the guineas from that spot and Kamiko is going to beat him, they'll probably reassess um, targets now, St. James Palace Stakes maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's... I. I think he has trained on. I, like I don't. Yeah, think... I think he's trained on. It's just whether he had such a difference of ability over the two-year-olds. Sometimes horses are just two-year-olds, aren't they? That's Rather it. But than... you know, like yeah. how many times in football have you heard about these kind of you know uh, these young players coming through who are so much clear of their their age exactly. in, in any sport, and then they kind of tend to step up to to a more senior level, and the lads who might have been maybe a, a bit technically better, but not as good as them, kind of catch up then when they kind of have a growth spurt to kind of fill out a bit more. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Kameko and, mm. and Wichita just really value that that summer a bit more than Pinatubo. We were probably dealing with the finished product last season, or at least 70 to 80% of it. So exactly. by the time the, the improvement that was left in him probably just wasn't all that much compared to how much the other ones clearly belted on. But he still showed all the want in the world for it. He he ran so well. It's just, you have to have a small bit of concern though. And he, Heading into Royal Ascot now, with just how quick it's fallen on us, that a lot of these horses, I don't know whether you'd be looking for something else in the St. James's Palace that wasn't part of those front three, or, you know, like, same thing with the Thousand Guineas, like, if any of those horses go on to Royal Ascot, you'd, you'd have to be a small bit worried about them. That's very quick, isn't it? You'd wonder why, the, you know, the calendar buffs, considering it's not really going to affect any hospitality, it's not affecting anyone's plans. Two more weeks wouldn't have caused anyone any great hardship, David, would it? To have moved it back two more weeks and allow for a few more runs. What's the what's the calendar issue? Yeah, I don't understand it at all, Dean. To be honest, um, it's not as if like Royal Ascot is not. It's, I think it varies week year on year. What week it is? I think it's probably the third, fourth week of June. So I don't understand why they just couldn't push it back two weeks. Have a full month of a run up 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 to it. Um, punters would be likely to bet more on it then because they'll have more information to, to for two-year-olds, etc., and uh, two, three-year-olds this year. There's more races this year, so it's going to be massive fields, bigger handicaps. It's, it's going to be an absolute um, minefield for punters, I think, um, and I don't understand why they just couldn't push it back two weeks. Um, they've scheduled the Moose Door and the Dante for after the Derby. They could have put them on maybe next week um, for, uh, on Royal Ascot week and pushed Royal Ascot to after the der- Derby. Um, mm-hmm. And gone from there. Like it just, it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems like Royal Ascot kind of similar to Cheltenham over jumps. So kind of dug their heels in a little bit and said, "This is our spot. This is where we're going. You can work around us." And that's the end of it. Um, like I get it if there were still people allowed in the doors. Like I get it because everyone kind of plans. There's a huge planning arrangement goes around. You know that week and the same that it goes around a glorious Goodwood or it goes around the York Dante meeting or it goes around uh, Cheltenham demo. I mean, it's a bit. Ludicrous, isn't it, that we have Royal Ascot starting on Tuesday? 
No, it is. It's crazy, and and I mean, an awful lot of people in racing just 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 kind of tend to always say, "Oh, but you look, that's that's the way it is." But it's just mad that you got a load of two-year-olds who've come out and as impressive as they were, um, have to try and turn that around now in kind of less than two weeks or two weeks or so or whatever to run a Royal Ascot. I suppose the one benefit for them is that most of the fields would probably be made up of horses that have had a similar kind of uh, troubled passage. And But it's just, you're taking an awful lot on chance, especially with two-year-olds, that they're able to back up that quickly. Like. We're not going to get the, the champions that I think we would have got in a normal run-in, but that's accepted, I guess. That's just the way it is. Um, I mean, we can part Royal Ascot because we'll have a chat about it next week before it actually kicks off on Monday. Um, that'll be when the pod is, not when Royal Ascot kicks off. Should keep that in mind. Um, there were some, you know, some other good races. Actually, Connor, who was on the podcast um, last week and talking about that Saturday card at Newmarket, including the 2000 guineas, um, was pretty keen on Far Above and the Palace House. He was also keen on Terra Bellum in the uh, Dahlia Philly Stakes. Both of those won um, put a few of us back in our boxes, Dave, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that's Connor for you. That's why he's not on this week. He wouldn't be able to follow it up with winners. So he just a few winners last week and teched off this week. So, but um, yeah, no, they're both very good. Like the Gosden um horse, especially is one to watch. Um, that was a very good performance. I was very impressed with that. And um, then kind of the Palace House Stakes, them, them, them sprint races like. They're a bit of a lottery sometimes. Um, it depends on on the run. Oh, they're not yeah. easy. Demo found the demo found the third, but I mean they're not easy, are they? The right horse is, is the winner there yeah. though. Far above, really progressive, lightly raced, loads yeah, of Yeah, big time, yeah. And he, he'd probably take him going forward, but um it's just be interesting to see if he can back it up again and, and continue his progression. The demo we were talking about the um the Gosden runners all last week on the podcast, it felt and then of course he went and dominated so many of the races over the, the Saturday and Sunday. Um, we did all manage to row in with a nap about Fanny Logan, who actually got beat in the pinnacle at Haydock on uh, on Sunday. So uh, we didn't quite get that right. No, no, no. Uh, Run Wild was one that, uh, thankfully, I was quite confident in on Sunday, and she won very That's well. Right. Again, she kind of painted a picture, a lovely stride, huge horse, but she kind of painted a picture of um, just how much of a bias there kind of was towards kind of getting to that front. I mean, O'Shea Murphy just completely just let her stride on it was another brilliant mm. ride from him who's who really is the the best jockey around at the moment and it was a a brilliant performance but you know you just kind of still kind of sit there and just say to yourself how much did the front runners just seem to skip away from them it almost looked like Kempton when Sylvia Conti would jump the last and just go um it was kind of similar to that just just yeah how much of a bias there was to just get yourself in front and in a rhythm and but like as far as Connor goes he then went on the Sunday, Dean, and he, he nailed the uh, 1,000 guineas as well. Uh, he did. He did do that, of course. And, um, well, the the way that that race was was run, I'm guessing Ryan's pretty happy that there was, Ryan Moore, that is pretty happy that there was only one Aiden O'Brien runner. And, like, we, we talked about it in the, in the podcast the previous week that, you know, when he only sends one, um, that's definitely the one. And, and she was she was very impressive, was Love winning that demo. Yeah, she was. I, I mean, I was on the... Uh, the the second day, her ran an absolute blinding blinder of a race, Cloak of Spirits. Um, I kind of thought of falling out. She might actually hold off love, but Ryan Moore was holding absolutely plenty, um, mm. and just kicked. But yeah, she's a really good filly. You could see her now. Well, she you now she's six to four for the Oaks, which does seem short for because again we we've, we've seen this plenty of times where the the winner of the thousand guineas can get done, especially with I mean Aidan O'Brien has so many well-bred fillies that he's you know, probably you just got don't three know. or four better than Love. At yeah, home. It's you hard know, to like, know. 
sure qualify won the Oaks that year fifty to one, and Kilmore had uh, had legatissimo in that as well. Who'd won the one thousand guineas? So it, it's just very, 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 very dodgy to be kind of getting involved at that price. Um, but for 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 how she did it, how she ran to the line, all the chatter beforehand, uh, you can see though why layers kind of put her in at that price, you know. Yeah, um, Dave, what did you make of uh, Quadrilateral? I thought it was a similar in the Pinatubo kind of um, race that Pinatubo ran the 2000 and that got mixing a little bit early perhaps than maybe necessary. You couldn't argue there's any hard luck stories. The best filly has gone and won the race, but maybe there's a little bit more to come from Quadrilateral and Cloak of Spirits obviously ran a huge race, but finding one too good. Yeah, they, they went for a tongue strap Quadrilateral, um, mm. which was strange because she really didn't show it like that last time. and. That might have, she was a bit keen earlier on when she was tracking um cloak of spirits, so the tongue strap might have just livened her up a little bit more than what they thought. Um, and she kind of had her races run kind of two furlongs out, and um, she wasn't kind of going forward and she was going up and down the same spot. And like, like the fairest love was a very easy winner, um, so I, I'd be worried about what was in behind love in terms of depth like you had a 100 to 1 shot final song finish fourth and you had a 200 to 1 shot and Ramsey finish finishing fifth um, and then like a bit of a heat behind that like it was well, well strong outfield so I, I'd be taking love over only really um, okay as I don't think I don't think the depth was quite there in that race okay um, yeah I mean you could well be right there was a good few bargain basement buys uh, popping up in um, in that classic and it was well highlighted across social media that how you know how possible it was to to get involved and find some really nice fillies uh, if you can if you can hook them right at the sales. So there's going to be some interesting sales stuff come out of of this season, I think, with the way that the the kind of truncated um, calendar is going to be, and we're going to have some odd looking champions perhaps. But I think the right three were at the front of that one thousand guineas, and like you say, David, you can't do much about uh, what's in behind. There were some other good winners on the card. Dash and Willoughby came back to form again for that man, Oshie Murphy and Andrew Balding, who is just going so so well. Uh, Run wild, which you already mentioned, and a Gosden winner. Um, what well, what about some some eye catchers? Um, before we chat about some of the Irish stuff that's come back across uh, the weekend in the UK, David, anything from you? Yeah, I have a few here, and um, most of them are from Ireland now. Uh, to be honest, so on Monday at Nice, there was a horse called Lucky Vega for Jesse Harrington. It was well punted on morning, and um, still looked very green, but got the job done against an Aidan O'Brien odds-on shot, uh, Lucky Vega. And then another Aidan O'Brien horse in the same card was Elfin Queen, who kind of won a maiden, but she kind of was travelling behind the front two, and there was a small gap in between them, and she scooted through that and went away to win well. Um, that's Elfin Queen. Then over at Lingfield, over the weekend, there was a horse called Lady Bowthorp. Um, it was all weather, seven furlong race, nothing amazing, but she got absolutely... Um, balked coming around the bend at Lingfield and was last turning in and she shot home to win going away by about two, two lengths so that's a horse to look for I think William Jarvis trains that that's a horse to keep on side um, should be well handicapped um, Asher Dash ran at Leopardstown for Kevin Prendergast in a um, three year old maiden first time out was 100 to 1 and was drawn wide and was last turned off her home at Leopardstown and came home to finish third in what looked a decent race behind Dennis Tymon. Um, he should be a surefire winner probably in a maiden next time out. And then just one more um, for Royal Ascot. Chief Little Hawk won yesterday at... Um, where was racing yesterday? I can't remember. Uh, Chief Little Hawk won yesterday at Navin, sorry. Uh, two-year-old maiden out of Air Force Blue. Won that very well. Was drifted all morning from about, from about 6 to 4 in the morning out to about 7 to 2 and won by about two lengths. 
it was a very good performance and then last night at Kempton there was a horse for Andrew Baldwin called Cashin who was it, it, it was a terrible race there was a horse in it that's run 20 times and hasn't still hasn't won was still running a maiden but this was Cashin's first time Cashy's first time out and was leading going into the final 100 yards and just kind of was a bit green and wandered around the place in front and um, was nabbed on the line so I think he'll probably be a winner she'll probably be a winner next time out for um, Ushin Murphy and Andrew Balding so there's just a few sure. eye catchers from the week very good um, Dermo I will ask you the same question in a second I wanted to mention one that ran in behind your run wild though at Newmarket because I had a chat about it on the podcast last week that Queen Daenerys I know the Varian uh, team pretty happy with um the progress there of that filly, that three-year-old filly. And there was the first run back after Windup. Now, the run of the race obviously went towards Run Wild and under a very good ride. Uh, that's what you can, that's what can happen sometimes. But she was easy enough in the market, a little bit of late money for Queen Daenerys. And I think that one will step forward from the second in the Pretty Polly. Now, uh, probably on a few people's radars, though, I would say. Uh, Dermo, the question about anything else you wanted to mention. Uh, well, I was kind of angling at the UK stuff, although Dave went through a few of the Irish runners he's liked so far. Uh, where do you want to go? Uh, yeah, so like again, um, just from the week that was in it, I kind of thought mm. that there was there was kind of more eye catchers over towards Ireland. I mean, the ones we've mentioned already, Tara Bellum and Run Wild, they are two brilliant fillies. I, I mean, John Gosling just seems to have have thousands of them. Um, just just these really promising fillies that he seems to just eat more and more out of the older that that they get, and he's just a phenomenal trainer with an amazing team. Um. The the kind of more beautiful from Aidan O'Brien ran uh, during the week and won very very well. That's a that's a lovely filly who who you'd have to take very seriously. A Royal Ascot just she won so effortlessly under Shamie Heffernan, um, who I think actually could well could well end up as the uh, top jockey in Ireland this season just with the way quarantine going to help with that demo, isn't it? Because a lot of the jockeys aren't moving between countries, so people like Ryan Moore not going to be seen too often perhaps over here. Oh, massively. I mean, it's been odd really that he kind of never was, like I wrote an article a few years ago about this. I always thought it was, it was just quite harsh. I mean, like it was great to see Mark Walsh end up with the J.P. McManus uh, gig, but I kind of drew a comparison between them that, Sometimes, like Shamie Heffernan, a yard doesn't really need to give you the top job because you're already there, you know. So um, they've kind of yeah, true. They've kind of always went for like like that time when Kieran Fallon obviously had his um his very famous ban. I mean, Shamie stepped in that season and was just outstanding, but they still went away and got Murta after it. And what he's about just... Pori Beggy, like who over the weekend? <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's obviously already come back with some winners, and he picks up stuff just from being in and around in and around the place, in, yeah. in, in classics. Like, you yeah, know, it's a pretty <laughs> remarkable situation to be in. He wrote a, a derby winner. But yeah, like, uh, I mean, Shamie Heffernan, he's in a lovely spot now because obviously mm. Ryan Moore can't come over at the moment because of the 14-day quarantine. He'd missed too many rides, really. And then you've got, you know, Dunnick is now a trainer. So it's open right up for Shamie Heffernan. I think if he gets far enough ahead, he deserves to be a champion jockey by the time his career ends. So I think if he gets far enough ahead, which it looks like he might, Although Shane Foley is, he could nearly ride uh, a stable cat. Flying, to isn't he? Yeah, he's flying. Winner race at the yeah. moment. But if Shane Heffernan can keep going, but there's kind of one horse when we speak about horses that you can pick up for a song. I mean, skeptical lads. I mean, 2,800 uh, guineas, wasn't it? Or euros it cost. And the way that horse is progressing um, for Dennis Hogan now goes to Royal Ascot, booked uh, Frankie the Tour. Frankie's up. Yeah, <laughs> Frankie will ride. He's young. Uh, the young man can't. The young man can't do the ride, though, can he, Demo? Venice. No, he can't because he'd, uh, 
young Joey Sheridan, he's um, he'd have to go into quarantine as well, and just it doesn't appear to be advantageous for his career. So obviously, it's a big loss for him. He he put it up on Twitter and he said himself, "If you're going to lose a ride, lose it to Frankie," uh, which is a fair enough point. But yeah. it's just skeptical. It just could well be the kind of. I mean, if that horse can win at Cheltenham for the Macaulays, who are just one of the shrewdest outfits when it comes to buying these really cheap horses and really making it pay. If they can pull that off, Dean, that's that's the story of the season. It looks the, the best of the bunch on Irish soil anyway, doesn't it? Unless Aiden's got something he's going to turn into one. Absolutely. I mean, they're, I like Ireland hasn't produced sprinters on mass really since Soul Power anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the best the best sprinter Ireland has had for, for quite a while. We've had a few kind of guineas flops who've been turned into sprinters that never quite kind of did it um, on mass anyway. And um, sceptical is definitely, a, I mean, if they can pull that off, the amount of money that, that they'll be able to sell that horse for will be quite astronomical, really. Yeah, I mean, Dave, I don't know what you made a sceptical. Obviously, it looks very good. But, you know, whatever kind of bad day anyone is having around the place, has someone actually sold that horse for 2800 more than that, Dean. Someone was the underbidder on that horse for two thousand seven hundred. Wouldn't go up a couple of hundred <laughs> yeah, quid. That's true. That is true. Ouch. Um, uh, yeah. Can it win? Can it win a Royal Ascot, Dave? Ah, of course it can. Like it, it, King Sand looks to be his main target for the week, and like you've Batash there, who's also very good, especially over five. Um, but just the way skeptical jumps and travels, and like the other day, like he was, you knew from three furlongs out in a five furlong race that he was going to win and win well. Um, like the only one Aiden has is Sergei Prokhorov, who's we know is not good enough now at this stage. Um, he needs absolutely everything to fall right from. Whereas skeptical looks a bit more versatile and stuff like that. So, all power to them. We hope he goes and wins. It'd be a great story. Um, like they had make a challenge last year, win at the Galway Festival a couple of times, and go on to win, run a, a Champions Day in Ascot as well. Like so, um, they're doing something right for the bit of negative publicity they got towards the the start of the year. Um, but they're yeah. obviously very good operators, you know. Well, I think it's three to one, but Tash is even money currently with the anti post bookmakers for something like the King Stand. And then he'd be about an eight, ten to one um, for the Diamond Jubilee. Um, they're going to go King Stand and take on Batash. I mean, that's that's a story in its own. Batash is an unbelievable sprinter. So if they can get anywhere near, um, I think they've had a good day out. But three to one, it wouldn't be for me, but nor is even money for Batash. And these sprints are very, very tricky. Um, to solve but what a story you're right that probably is the story of the week of Irish racing uh, so far at this point we're going to take a break chaps and uh, when we come back we'll have a look at the Curra on uh, Friday and Saturday and there is a massive amount of racing uh, across the TV channels over the next few days and of course when we um, when we cover all that we'll have a little bit of Royal Ascot talk about on Monday when we come back so let's take a break here you're listening to the Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the Race Hour. Okay, and welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Do check them out over the weekend, of course, for all the odds and the cards across the racing all over the place. You're listening to the Race Hour, and uh, it's myself, Dean Ryan, Demi Nolan, and David Weldon, and it's classic weekend in Ireland, actually starting on Friday. Uh, Demo, 2,000 guineas will um, 
will be the big feature. Um, RTE going all out, and even ITV going to show this, also, albeit on ITV4, as we talked about before. But uh, the, Irish, the Tassels Irish 2000 Guineas on RTE, because that's the home of Irish racing. Um, they're going to be delivering, uh, well, I wouldn't say this is the best Irish 2000 Guineas I've seen, and but Siskin uh, could be a very, very good three-year-old for Jerlines. And Colin Keane, and that will be favourite. It most certainly will be favourite. To be honest, I'm not convinced that this horse will stay. Um, yeah. I, I think he's a really, really good horse. If he stays, he probably wins. But like he, he was just very, very good over six furlongs. Whatever ground turns up, it will be good. But whatever does turn up won't bother him. He's won it at all. But I just have an awful feeling with this horse that, that he's a proper, proper kind of six furlong, maybe seven furlong horse. But the mile here, I just wouldn't quite like him over it. Um. I really wouldn't. Uh, like, I just think that as good as he is, it's, I don't know whether he'd be screaming at the end of it. Um, like, the the field itself, the, the O'Brien horses, as always, are very, very hard to, to actually separate. Um, the one the one I've landed on has, has come in and priced massively, but that's just because Shamie Heffernan seems to pick it, but we can't be fully sure with the O'Brien because sometimes when a jockey gets to know a horse at home, they, they can kind of just be left on it, especially now without a kind of clear-cut number one. But... For me, I do think that Shamey has picked uh, Loki Fernandez and like the form last season getting within three and a quarter lengths of Pinatubo at um, a Royal Ascot and kind of was involved in all those races. Just just screams of another horse that, that could well just take massive step forward this season. Um, and just everything about him, he, he kind of, he, he stamps himself as a horse that will definitely see out the mile the way that he, he saw out the seven furlongs against Pinatubo. And I just thought that uh, Loki, E. Fernandez is one to take very, very seriously. And then one at each way odds um, who there has been whispers for and a horse who on debut last season uh, was beaten only ahead by, by Wichita. So I'll slow E. Fernandez, if I was looking for a win bet, that would be it. But the one that I've backed is um, is fiscal rules at 14 to 1. Um, only one start last season here at the Curragh and really did look like um, stamina was going to be completely his game but he was only a head behind Wichita and uh, gave that horse a real real proper fright uh, Wichita obviously has advertised that form in abundance since and just with how green fiscal rule was kind of came off the bridle about two furlongs out but just kicked into those turbos when he he really needed to Jim Bulger will have this horse ready to go as we know always and I just thought 14 to 1 about fiscal rules is very very big here and um, if I was the one that I've backed so far is him. I'd maybe wait to see if Lope Fernandez drifts a bit, but if I had to pick one for the race scene, it would be fiscal rules at um a fourteen to one. Yeah, I, t- I totally get that. I mean, the Wichita run was eye catch enough. You'd love it to have a tiny bit more experience coming yeah. in uh, to this because the likes of that Lope Fernandez and even Modic of Egypt, who was right up Siskin's backside the couple of times they faced off last year, um, they've they've just got a bit more experience in the book. But like Aiden O'Brien's got so many in there, Dave. Are you gonna side that Jer Lyons knows what he's talking about with Siskin going up the uh, the couple of furlongs, or is there something from Aiden's that can beat it? It's hard to know, isn't it, where we where we stand with this race? Um, so the dam for Siskin was effective over a mile, but had never won over a mile. Um, the one I'm gonna side with though is for Mick Halford who ran within a couple of lengths of Mogul in the Champions Juvenile Stakes last year at Leopardstown. Sure. Um, he's about 14 to 1, had three starts, one over course and distance. I just think he's probably a good place, play, place player um, without knowing too much about how the O'Brien string um, 
are stacking up against each other, I'll take a chance on the Agacant owned Sinawan for Mikalford. Yes, yeah, Sinawan, another double figure shout. Um, I, I really think wherever you land on this race, um, most people probably want Siskin to get it done because Jerlines and Colin Keane be great to see them win a two thousand guineas. But I don't, I, I couldn't get involved at the prices um, on a horse that's done what it's done over six furlongs just yet. Um, I would be delighted if it won. Armory, I thought was probably the pick of the Aidan O'Brien um, contingent, given you know that it was good enough to go and and. Head to long shot, loads of experience. Um, I thought that one was probably the best of them. Uh, Wayne Lord will ride that one. That's Armory around four to one. But I don't think the bookies know. I'm not sure Aiden knows. Uh, what we do know in Siskin is that it was a very powerful uh, animal. And if you're going to step forward at three and get the trip, it's going to be hard to beat. And that fiscal rule shout from Dermot uh, makes a lot of sense on the basis of that run behind Wichita. I would have just loved one, one maybe, or even another two more runs in that one. But the way this season has obviously started late, they would have had no opportunity. And perhaps uh, Jim Bolger uh, wouldn't have bothered anyway and would have come straight. It is hard to know. There are a couple of other races um, on that card, of course, that are probably worth a mention. The Gallinule looks pretty tricky enough, mythical, likely to be a uh, favourite there. I thought the, the other Jair Lions runner in that race, uh, Chirachua, I'm not even sure if I've said that, correctly you can correct me if you want lads um i thought that was interesting for colin Keane and jail lines and of course it is irish lincoln day uh dave weldon um normally that's a race uh, i ask you what you think is going to win yeah um it's a good race um there's a couple of the, uh, good chances there colin Keane's on the favorite current option fredo mcginnis um who's been going seriously well the last 12 months or Some so. Some treble if he can pull off the Gallinule, the Guineas, and then the, and then the Lincoln. Yeah, well, he'll be back in the title race then. Durham will be scared, running run after his money with Jamie. But um, <laughs> the reserve there for Joseph O'Brien, Patrick Sarsfield is an interesting horse. Um, if you told me he'd be still rated 86 on the flat, I'd be amazed. Um, he was an excellent two-year-old. Um, won last year. Um, as a three-year-old for Joe, so after switching from Eddie Lynham, and um, if he gets in, he'd have to be taken seriously. But the one I'm going to side with is uh, Johnny Murta's horse, Lord Rapscallion, who is about a sixteen-to-one shot. Um, Pfizer first time. Danny Shee taking five pounds off was very progressive last year. Dundalk winning two races and just got um, caught out in a very tactical race behind San Andreas the last time in Dundalk. But that should set him right for today. That was just before the lockdown. Um, so at about 16 to 1 between 10 and 16 to 1 with various places getting your extra places and stuff like that I think he is a great chance um, to win Lincoln for Johnny Murta okay good shout uh, Johnny Murta's runner there um, the one for Dave in the Irish Lincoln I thought uh, Jesse might have one in there Dermo with this tour and Charmin really lightly raced quite highly rated they might have just put this in uh in the right race to pick something up before they move up in grade, although there's, there's a couple of horses like that in here. Yeah, I mean, it is that that kind of big field experience is lacking there, which is uh, like yeah. obviously a worry. Uh, but I mean, that that horse, uh, Tower and Shaman, uh, definitely has has some decent form, I and mean, it was probably pitched out of his level at Longchamp in October. Fair enough, but sure. those, yeah. those uh, two wins at Clarney and Galway was uh, were quite impressive, and if you can handle Galway quite well. Uh, You'd be okay anywhere, really. Um, but the one speaking of Galway that I thought was a big enough price is uh, Saltonstall at uh, sixteen to one. Gets the uh, the brilliant young jockey Gavin Ryan up on his back, and this horse won the um, won won the Galway Mile last year, uh, obviously, which is the uh, premier handicap there, and won that really, really well. I mean, 
I mean, that's one of the most competitive handicaps that that there is. And he won that off um, of eighty nine. He's now rated ninety seven. But Gavin Ryan takes five pounds off, so effectively he's only three pounds higher here. And Gavin Ryan is as good as as most professionals, really. I think anyway. So Saltonstall there, he's he's sixteen to one, but he's the form in the book in these big races. Um, Adam McGuinness does what he does very well with these horses, and he he's kind of turned them back inside out again. I mean, he's some lofty targets after that, but he's kind of edging back down again. And just with Gavin Ryan up on board, I think he could go very close here. I mean, off um pretty much off ninety three here in uh, a Premier Handicap, he was third behind one cool poet. So. He handles the track really well. He finished ahead of Tudor City that day. So this race will be very, very competitive. This horse has loads of experience. And just as an each-way punt at 16-1, to Salton Stahl looks very interesting for me. Okay, so I mean, we found three in the Irish Lincoln. No surprise there, to be honest. I'd be with Tor and Shaman uh, for Jesse. I know, Dave, you made a good case there for Johnny Merton and Danny Sheehan with Lord Rapscallion. And Salton Stahl, of course, of course, and distance winner as well as a Galway winner for Gavin Ryan, uh, who is a jockey to keep on side if you're only uh, just getting the grips with your Irish racing. And Adrian McGuinness. Okay, um, I guess that is kind of Friday at the cover. There's lots of racing going on uh, elsewhere. But, I mean, there's another classic to sort out as well at the car on Saturday, chaps, with the um, with the 1,000 guineas. Uh, which way do we think this will go? I mean, it would be nice for uh, Jesse, who's come back in such uh, great form, to go and win one of these. And it won't be an Aidan O'Brien favourite, I don't think, unless there's loads of money for Peaceful, because Albina uh, is the favourite. And that race gone off at 7.15 on, on Saturday, Dave. Yeah, so Albina would definitely be favoured. Uh, she's 2-1 to one at the moment. Uh, Peaceful, 7-2. to two. The one I fancy, though, is Fancy Blue for Donnick O'Brien. It'd be a good story for him. Got the horse off Aiden last year. Um, by all accounts, trained it. She's big strapping type who definitely have trained on from two to three. And she probably want the trip in time, but um, this would be a good starting point for her. And 11 to two, she's probably an each way bet to nothing. Be a great story if that is. Is it his first classic runner? Has to be, doesn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. Has to be. So it would be a great story if he could go and pick that up. Demo, would you be siding with... Uh, the young O'Brien, Donica, trying to unleash one here with Declan Madonna on board and Fancy Blue. Um, to pick it up from the old man, an unbeaten horse that can go run a classic is not a bad start, is it? Not at all. Um, I mean, the the start with the favourite there, um, Albina, is that how you say it? Uh, Albina, yeah, Albina. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. yeah. After watching the races all last night, I completely forget that now. But the um, she's she's been excellent. She'll she'll definitely stay. I mean, her run in Santa Anita as well was a huge run. Uh, she's only two and a half mm. lengths behind sharing there. So we know that she'll she'll definitely stay the mile. She's a, a very very good filly. But the the question is just kind of whether the rest of them might have have caught up to her because you know she's she's fourteen pounds clear. Um, an official rating from from the one that I fancy. Fancy blue for Dave. Look, has been excellent. Would be a, a brilliant story for. Dunica O'Brien, big ride for Declan McDonough to pick up as well. Um, but the one that I'm landing on here is um is peaceful for Shamie and Aiden again. Um I just think this horse has been excellent. Um was second last time at Newmarket over a mile, all three runs in a mile. So again, we know that she'll be absolutely fine there. She'll be another one of these fillies to just kick on for O'Brien. And last time back in third was that run wild who came out the weekend and run one absolutely so well so um as far as this is a very very competitive race will be no surprise obviously by the prices for the favor to just dominate this but i think peaceful might kind of might just kick on enough that she might be able to um to bring back those those 14 pounds that are are between them on on official ratings 
Yeah, I mean, you know, on the ratings, not going to happen, is it? But we, we know that the races aren't run on uh, on the ratings. You have to go and do it. And Al Big now, I, I'd be delighted if that one for Jesse and Shane Foley. Um, but the, the horse I would have liked to have had a couple more runs and get here would have been Redenza for, for Halford and Ronan Whelan. But um, obviously that's not possible. So again, it's probably a race I'd be... Uh, I'll be skipping out and I'll be hoping Searskin wins the 2000 and Albina uh, wins the 1000 because that would just be great for all those involved. But uh, if you're going to try and take it down, the lads there have found uh, one or two, you can try and do it with. Um, there are a couple of other nice races on that Saturday card, of course, all are, uh, live on the evening of Saturday. Um, the Gladness Stakes, the Group 3 goes to post at 6.45, Dave. Um, yeah, it's a tricky enough race. Um, most of Josephs needed a run. Um, so speaking colours would probably be up there, but um, with the, the run needed, Lancaster House is clear on ratings. It might be just it might catch catch Smash Williams fresh. Might be the one to maybe nip it from the front for Jim Bolger and Kevin Manning. Um, he's about thirteen to two, so I'd probably just have a small small bit on him. You stole my thunder there. I really like Smash Williams when uh, perhaps it looks like it's not going to happen for him because he's like me. Yeah, um, but you know, there's only seven declared, so it's not really a race. I'll be uh, again. You know, eyes aren't lit up. If there were nine now, I'd really fancy Smash Williams to to run pretty uh, prominently for Kevin Manor, Jim Bolger, and maybe stay involved. The gladness, demo. Uh, yeah, absolutely no opinion on it at all. I'm happy to ruin behind Dave and um, and Smash Williams. Uh, well, Lancaster House even, but. Um, yeah, I think it's a tricky enough contest that, and one that with the smaller field than perhaps we'd like. There's always the Lanwardis stud as well on that card demo. Did you have something for that? Magic One's probably going to be odds on. Magic One will be odds on, and deservedly so. She's a, a fantastic filly, but she's to give way to a few of these here. And um, Halford's Hammerina could just could just well make those 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 kind of pounds suit here. I mean, she's she was. Absolutely very good in those two wins last season, Tipperary and uh, and Leprosown. And, and on her last run back in March on the first day of the season, so she does come in here with a small bit more of a fitness than a few of these. She was, she was very good with a big price at 16-1 to 1 in um, a stakes race behind Lemista of uh, of Gerlines's. And just just kind of by that performance, she 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 really plugged on. And this, this trip here of a mile will definitely suit her. And... I just think at uh, at nine two or so, um, Hammerina could well surprise Magic Wand. Bit of a gap to make up on ratings again there, Dave, in a race like that for Hammerina. But the Magic Wand odds on this time of the season, effectively, you know, I know we're a month later than perhaps we might have seen Magic Wand make a debut this time round. But they, they do get beat at those prices for Aiden, don't they? Because it isn't always about uh, the first crack back. And although they found this race, it might not have been the first intended crack back. Yeah, no, I agree with everything Dermot said there. Um, Hammerina was the one I was going to put up. Uh, Magic Wand will probably be going globetrotting again. Um, yeah. So this will probably be a tune-up or something like that. And um, with a small penalty, just get her get her sharp um, before she goes on her travels. But yeah, Hammerina, um, she was very good last year. She was lucky not to win at Nice um, on the 23rd of March. And I take her just to go one better this time around. Yeah, opportunistic opportunity for punters perhaps to take on Magic Wand there, albeit Magic Wand uh, clearly a, a better animal and only got to give £3 to something like Hammerina in there or if you fancy something else, but uh, Hammerina likely to be uh, uh, slightly more tuned up for the day and that's the race that follows uh, the 1,000 guineas there at the Curra on Saturday. Now, I did say 
chirps that there was a mountain of racing everywhere. Uh, the stuff in the UK is obviously going to be a little bit blighted for quality because Royal Ascot is basically on the doorstep immediately. Uh, there are some other races, of course, around uh, the current stuff that maybe we didn't go through that you wanted to pick something out. Um, I'm hoping Dalton Highway runs in that handicap on the, on the Saturday um, I think it's at four o'clock. Yeah, it's booked up as well with Andrew Slattery on taking five off for Dermot World. Uh, I think there's still uh, room to come for Dalton Highway, wherever that one does turn up for the world. So I'll be keeping an eye on that one. Um, anything you wanted to point out that perhaps, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk through because we concentrated on the classics there, Dave? Yeah, if a five for across the weekend, across uh, the um, UK and Ireland. So I'll start off Friday in the 510. Joseph Bryan's horse, Dark Vader, is about nine to one shot. Um, Dylan. Brown McMonagall will ride that. He's getting the weight allowance as well for being a three-year-old, so he's very well in. And he ran the other day in that list race, that 10-year ticket one for Jim Bolger, so he, that he should be a bit sharper for that. Um, so, But 9-1, to one, he's a good each-way chance in the 5-10 on Friday. Um, in the 5-55 at Newbury on Friday, a horse called New Away um, is only run three times. It was one, two of them runs last year. It's about 13-2 shot for Ismail Mohammed and um, gets headgear first time that should improve him a bit more and I think he's a great chance about 13 to 2 on Saturday 225 at Newbury um, Dancing Feet um, for Archie Watson is about 10 to 1 shot had one run for David O'Mara last year and then switched to Archie Watson won twice in two minor events on the all-weather um, and looks to be progressing a 10 to 1 shot um, 315 at Sandown elegant light for um, Rafe Beckett now, this is a horse has been running in France. He's rated 95. A bit of an unknown quantity. I just take a punt on him at 8 to 1. I think um, she could be a bit better. And Rafe has a great record with fitties as well. So it's a good chance there she could be better than a 95 shot, 95 rated horse. And then just one on Sunday at Doncaster uh, for Robert Kell, uh, rocket action at 8 to 1. Progressive ho- horse who's been winning at Wolverhampton over the winter. And I think the mar- match sh- sharpness she would, he would have gained from that would give him a good chance in that sprint at 8 to 1 for Robert Kell. Lovely. That's uh, that's five across the cards there from Dave Dermo. You want to highlight something over the, uh, over the well, the, the plethora is the word you like to use of racing that comes up uh, between Friday and Sunday night. Oh, God. Yeah. There's, there's, there's absolutely bucket loads. Yeah, there's there's just three I've landed on. Um, um, Ascension runs in the 205 on Saturday at um, at Sandown. And this horse gets in here of a mark of 87. We'll run off eight stone five. I mean, the, the second favourite, Well of Wisdom, has to give well over a stone there to this horse. And this horse bumped into last time out at Newmarket in October, bumped into uh, Tom Free, who takes on again. And then, but there was only two and a half lengths behind between these two horses. But on this occasion now, they're, they're, that uh, Tomfrey has to give seven pounds to Ascension. I just think this horse will really kick on now as a three-year-old. And um, in this handicap, it's just extremely interesting for um, Sylvester D'Souza. So that's Ascension in the 205 on Saturday at Crimson. And then in the... Uh, 6.15 on Saturday at the Cora, like this is a 18-runner handicap. You, you kind of don't get much tougher than this. But Lariat is a horse there who has just gone from Andrew Balding to Adrian McGuinness. This is a, this is the kind of horse that Adrian McGuinness does oh so well with. Um, and this horse has some decent form at the likes of Chester and Ascot last season. Um, and just going to Adrian McGuinness now as a four-year-old off a of mark of 86 with Colin Keane booked. He's your number eight there in the 6.15 at the Curra on Saturday. Larry could well be 
a decent price, but you wouldn't be surprised at all to see a gamble on that because Adrian McGuinness can, as I said, improve these horses absolutely no end. And then in the 5.45 at the Curra on Sunday, this is um, a low enough uh, grade affair. I mean, you've got a horse who might get in here off, um, off 54 in this, so it's absolutely nothing to be to be writing home about. But Sunset Nova ran ran very well um, on his first run back at um, at Nice just a few days ago. Very interesting that he's kind of um, he's running again so soon. And in a race like this, he could just be a very big prize. Young Andrew Slattery is riding very well. He claims five off the back. So Sunset Nova in the five forty five at the Curra on Sunday. Um, but there's just there's so much racing, Dean. It's all about just kind of picking your few darts, I think. Yeah, and don't be, you know, uh, afraid to watch plenty of it and, and wait yeah. for future options because there's so much racing on and there's going to be so many horses you'll want to take forward that, you know, if you if you blow your load on the first time they come back, they might not be ready just as we're not ready. Um, and that's that's what happens. Um, okay, I, what about a nap for the weekend then before we do sign off? We are going to be back on Monday and have a look at Royal Ascot, of course. So we'll do that uh, on Monday and we'll save all of those runners for then. Uh, a nap of the weekend um, before I let you both go. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, just I, I'm not, I'm so um, nonplussed about the horses at the top of the 2000 Guineas market that mm. I'm actually going to nap uh, fiscal rules at 14 to 1 um, in the 640. Very good. Um, big shout. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a big price as well. Uh, take them on in the classic. Why not, Dave? On to you. Um, I'm going to nap Dark Vader in the 510 on Friday at the Curra. Um, basically, if this horse is win, I, I, give up back on it completely so I hope oh he, yeah he, he, <laughs> he, he's had a couple of near misses um, but yeah not 9 to 1 shot in a good handicap 5-10 Darth Vader Darth Vader every time someone's done something like that on this pod uh, Dave it's gone wrong but um, you know fingers crossed may the force be with you as they say I will go with uh, yeah, it was terrible I'll go with Dalton Highway in that 4 o'clock on Saturday at the Curra to run a big race it's going to be a, a massive field handicap so why not um, go with that alright chaps well, look, we'll chat again on Monday uh, best of luck to everyone involved with the first classic weekend of Irish racing um, do enjoy it whatever you get up to and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week so from Dermot David and myself you've been listening to the race hour thank you <laughs>